Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. So like, this is, I don't want, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but like, I remember being like a preteen almost, like maybe 12 or 13 when I first, when I first saw you uh, on Oprah. And I was like so smitten in love with you. Like everybody had like, you know, Brad Pitt crushes. I had the biggest crush on you because you were so good. You were so smart. But you're kind. And you brought on like, do you remember like a big chunk of fat? Yeah, the Omentum. I, I mean, that show, interesting, The very the, that Omentum show was a very controversial one for me because I didn't know if I wanted to go on the Oprah show and bring all these organs. How are they going to receive it? Right. But the story actually goes back a, a few months. I, my wife, remember the Visine commercials with the bloodshot eyes? Yeah, of They're, course. Those are my wife's eyes. So she oh. understood entertainment. I had no desire to do media. I wasn't involved in television. I was just operating. Right. A professor at Columbia and doing surgery. And the Oprah show, I mean, now we, my, my wife said, you know, all the things you're talking about could have a much bigger impact if you just shared it with people around the country, not just, you know, you know hiding it at Columbia. Right. So I said, all right, what do you have in mind? So she, she produced a show called Second Opinion. I needed to have a big name guest to launch that show. It's on Discovery Channel. So I invited Oprah. And Gail King, who's a complete angel, uh, who I knew socially, called Oprah on my behalf and said, Oprah, this guy's on to something. We know it's small time. Just do me a favor. And after a photo shoot, just sit for five minutes. We'll talk to him. That's exactly what they did. But it ended up being an hour and a half that we talked. And it was the whole first show. And when People Magazine wrote about that episode, yeah. her producer saw it and said, can you come back and, and recreate it for us? And so I remember getting my nice suit on but grabbing a pair of cotton scrubs because I don't want to get my suit dirty. Right, this is right. how naive I am about the Oprah show. So I show up in Chicago. I had a letter from Oprah saying that these organs were for her show, that I wasn't Jeffrey Dahmer bringing you know, bones <laughs> and skulls and things into yeah, right. security. And uh, when I went on, I changed into scrubs, not because it was a, you know, an iconic outfit. I just had to literally keep my clothes clean. I don't so want to get them funny. dirty. And I, again, I emphasize it because my naivete at the time was unmatched. That's amazing. It worked. It worked. But like, it, it, did you ever think in a million years it would ever be as, you would, you, you would ever be where you are now today from that launch pad? Like, Zero. It wasn't on my vision board, never thought about it, but my wife did. And the smartest thing I've ever done in my life was to marry her 35 years ago. And she, from the get-go, she believed that there needed to be a platform for health. Right. America wasn't getting the message because we weren't giving it to them. Right. And medicine generally was disdainful of media. We didn't spend a lot of time talking to media. We wouldn't answer the phone when they called. Right. And it's a mistake because a lot of the simple realities of health are things that we all know. We learn them in medical school. We don't get paid to tell people that stuff, like lose weight, your diabetes goes away usually. Right. But we know it's true. And so to have people actually go out there, and Sanjay Gupta has done this, and uh, Deepak Chopra in his own way, talking about mind-body, doctors began to go out and talk about stuff. And the reality is it's our civic responsibility. I mean, think about this. When you take the Hippocratic Oath or become a lawyer or any, any profession, you have to take an oath to always protect the, the client, the, your patient. You have to uplift the field you're in so you make sure the information keeps advancing. you got to police the field so bad doctors don't get out there and do harm. But the fourth thing you have to do is honor your civic responsibility to speak up on things that matter. And doctors who used to sign declarations of independence no longer engaged in civic responsibility. So society has failed. Right. And I think that's the ultimate reality that Oprah realized that she basically was a preacher. She had a deep wisdom uh, gained through years of turmoil and a lot of insights that she thought were worth saving. And she thought as an educator, 
that she could bring people like me, like Dr. Phil, Nate Berkus, and a bunch of uh, Rachel right. and other people that had a domain expertise and let them shine thanks to her. Right. And that's, and that was, that's Oprah University. It's true because she was really one of the first people to kind of create these celebrity, quote unquote, experts, right? Where it became then a phenomenon to this day. Like right now, like there's, it's now a, a whole thing, right? Wellness and I think fitness and health overall has become its own huge umbrella of, of influencers and of everything else that comes with it. But at that time, there wasn't anybody. And I don't know why, but as you being a, a doctor, I mean, maybe there were other ones. I don't know. But you were able to put things so in layman's terms in a way that, 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 that resonated and hit for people who were just like normal, who didn't really understand. And like all the visuals and everything that how you did it just was so impactful, right? That you became, I, I feel like that when people first like got that glimpse of you, you became like such a breakout star, like right away. Because well, of it's it. funny you say that. And I, I would call it the, the Life Magazine School of Medicine because <laughs> I'm very visual. And right. most surgeons are tactile. We touch right. things, we remember them. But I remember probably halfway through my you know, 70 or 80 shows with Oprah, she asked me if it had happened yet. And I said, has what happened yet? She says, you know, when, when you walk down the street, people ask you questions. Right. And it was starting to happen. And I thought that was just you know, sort of strange, but I never really processed it. I've been walking here. Right. You know, we're, we're at the Super Bowl, so I'm, you know, walk down the street because it's faster than trying to drive. Right. And I should tell people, I'm with Dr. Oz, by the way, at the Super Bowl, <laughs> at the SLS Hotel. I was just so excited, I went right into it. Well, okay. you're, you're, you're actually, you're a good broadcaster because you pay attention to the, to the answers, which is always the number one thing I always focus when I try to get well, people to, 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 to be good at interviewing. It's not about, you know, sophisticated, sexy questions. It's about listening. That's exactly true. Being, being curious and being actually interested. So walking here, people ask me questions, which I'm honored by because I tortured my teachers to learn this stuff. Wow. But if you actually listen to them for 10 seconds, people feel so validated. Yeah. And they actually know that you care, even if you don't have a good answer for them, because I can't answer every question. I don't have the answers for a lot of the challenging, complex problems people face. Sometimes it's easy, you know. For, I, have, I have good answers for constipation and hemorrhoids. <laughs> I was going right? to say, but, but that was a question yeah, I can ask but you. But sometimes, you know, you've got, you've, you're going through chemotherapy and right. it's not working. And the, the, what you really need is hope. Mm-hmm. And not false hope, real hope, but that often comes from being heard. And so th- those insights have have elevated me a lot. And I know that as a physician, I was pretty good at diagnosing folks. I was probably doing the most heart surgery in New York when I was at the prime of my career. But I never really learned to hear the emotions that people were expressing to me. Mm. And when, when people have emotional issues, you can't fix that without really processing them and understanding them. We were jo- you know, my, my producers would joke early in my TV career. They'd put in the prompter, your guest is crying, ask her why. <laughs> they would actually put that there. Because but, doc- that, but because, they're kidding me. Of course, but, but, because but, doctors yeah. don't have typically not great bedside manner, right? Like, especially the ones who are like super, super good. Like you have, like, you went to Harvard, right? Yes. And also, don't you have an MBA too? I do. So I remember this, not even from like now research, but it's like when I was like 14, right? <laughs> no, it's like, but you were like, you had, a, you, went, you had Columbia, you had a, you had an MBA from, was it Harvard? You had the MBA So I went from? to, I went to college, played football at Harvard. You played football at Harvard. Yes. Oh, I well, missed that. One note. of the reasons that I like coming to the Super Bowls, I, I, I actually enjoy the game a lot. Wow. Still, and I, you know, I have my, my son played. So I, I, we can talk about head injuries later on because it may come up uh, yes. as an issue. But uh, then I went to Penn Med School uh, and Wharton Business School at the same time. Right. Uh, because I was interested in healthcare policy. I was never going to go into business, but I knew that medicine could only run if the money was in medicine right. to run it. 
so I, I studied that and I went to Columbia. Uh, in fact, it's ironic. I got, on my board examinations, well, you, you yeah, take this exam to become a, a board certified doctor. They asked me to identify in the right order the oldest college, the oldest medical school, and the oldest residency, the oldest surgical program. And I went to all three. Really? <laughs> yes. And, That's amazing. And it's a pure coincidence. I'd never processed it till then. But being on the East Coast, where so many doctors are trained, right. you're at the fountain. This is where we come out. And I was president of our student body when I was in med school. And part of the reason I took that position is we didn't have a nutrition class. They never taught us, except for berry, berry, and kwashiorkor, which are severe deficiencies of B vitamin that you find in Africa. Wow. That, yeah. that they're actually nutritional deficiencies right here in America, like magnesium and vitamin D, ailments that actually are that can be problematic for people. Right. Again, no one was telling it, the, the audience. And America, I think, and this is a credit to the country, we have gotten pretty smart over the last decade. Because of you. Well, it's not just, I wish it was. It I, was, I a lot of it credit, was. But, but I think I, I, I was part of the, the puzzle. The movement. The movement. But most of it was, I believe, a, a wonderful constellation. So first, people feeling confident. They don't have to listen to everything the doctor says. Right. Because we don't know all the answers. And the more doctor comes to the Latin teacher. And if we're teaching you, then you need to be a good student. True, but you what you also did was you brought in other alternative medical medical things. Like you weren't so, you weren't so specific on the medical. Like you thought, like I remember, like you would always give these things until this day about, like you were just saying now, magnesium or all these other things that were those are an alternative, but things that are not so like cut it out. Like just basically go to a doctor, take an antibiotic, or cut out the whatever it is. You always would give alternatives, which I feel like is what kind of gave people some hope. And also it kind of normalized things a little bit. It was, it's the globalization of medicine. Yeah. And my goodness, there are therapies that work in China for a billion and a half people, uh, a billion people in India with Ayurvedic medicine. We have sub-Saharan African remedies. You have Amazonian remedies. How can we possibly be so arrogant to ignore the wisdom they might be able to offer us. Again, you got a 5,000-year-old traditional Chinese medicine tradition. I mean, it would have died off if there right. wasn't some benefit, right? right? And the common ailments are the same common ailments everyone else has. I can't sleep. I have too much anxiety. I'm depressed. Uh, I've got menstrual pains. I mean, I've got headaches. I mean, these are problems we don't have good solutions to in America. That's right. And so without whacking you with drugs and surgery all the time, healing with steel is how we say it. Healing with right? steel, yes. Right. I mean, that's, there are other ways of doing it. And the problem with with some in medicine is that we work so hard to become doctors that it becomes a religion for us. Mm-hmm. And we sort of shut down to other ideas. And that arrogance is dangerous. And there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. I know it, I'm a surgeon. Right. I've got to be confident to take a knife and open your chest with the belief I'm helping you. At the same time, if it bleeds into arrogance, I'll kill you. Right. With thinking I can do things that really aren't rational. And the same goes for my openness to alternative approaches. In fact, traditional medicine, the historical ways we healed ourselves have, has always offered us huge insights. So many of our t- treatments today come from these ideas, but many have fallen to this way, to the wayside because we trust science to answer all our questions. I say, take science, apply it to these therapies. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, let people vote with their own feelings. If it works for you, then tell me about it. So I'll share the wisdom. Do you believe then like uh, your own, like do you do like acupuncture, like stuff like that. Do you believe when when do people use alternatives like an acupuncture, Chinese medicine, herbs, or whatever they have, or you know, this muscle testing or whatever? Right. So I, I I and I've traveled the world. My show is in over a hundred countries. Right. So I get to travel to a lot of these markets. So you go to China, for example, which I first went to in 1992 with my dad. My father-in-law wow. was operating there, and I would I'd go to the clinics. Your father-in-law, you said my, my wife's father. Oh, your father. Who's very. He's also a surgeon? Yeah, he's a very famous heart surgeon. In fact, I'm, I'm so bummed about this. I was playing Trivial Pursuit with him, and I lost because he was the answer. 
No way. How many people lose to their relative who's the answer of a true pursuit question? The question was, Rolling Stone magazine dubbed this famous heart surgeon Rock Doc for being the first to play rock music in the OR. That was the question. Jerry Lamol was the answer. No way. Yes, I got it wrong. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, the, 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 but when we go in there, you know, if, you're, if you have a gunshot to the chest, please get a scalpel and fix me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. suture. But if you're complaining about rheumatism, I mean, why not try moxibustion or acupuncture or reflexology or some of these ideas, some new, some old? You're not going to lose a lot of ground. Be rational about it. I don't want to give kids with cancer who, with, who are easily treatable with chemotherapy a, a wasteful but the treatment. Months of time or no, weeks of time. I don't time. want that. I want you to do the best always. But sometimes the best is given a little bit of a wink to some of these alternative approaches. So personally, yes, I've used acupuncture and moxibustion to success. What's moxibustion? Uh, what is that? Moxibustion is they light a... Uh, they light a fire on a cup and then they put the cup on your body or oh, these candles that. heat you up and they can actually, that's cupping. The yeah. candles are held close to your skin and heat your skin and they basically massage your skin with the heat of the candle. And that's not cupping? That's a different thing? They're, they're cousins. They're they cousin. both work okay. in similar fashions. They often do one and then the other right after it. Oh. And, yeah, but Michael Phelps used cupping in the Olympics. Right, years ago. Right. I, I've tried cupping yeah. too. So, if, and I remember, if, if, you know, for most of classic, I strained a muscle riding, you know, on a long plane ride. Why not? Of course, I can take you know ibuprofen. I can take narcotics, but before that, this is not going to do anything to me. If I if uh, at, at it's not harmful, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and I think a lot of the herbal treatments that are used in other parts of the world have, have slowly been pulled into Western culture. Right. The have. aspirin, for example, is a old treatment from from the the, the bark of trees. A lot of our right. chemotherapy comes from periwinkle, which is a poisonous. A, a flower it that does. you find in the Amazon, Amazonian basin. So these things actually have enough treatment that we use some of them. Marijuana, probably the oldest medicine we know besides honey. Right. Medical marijuana is hugely effective, I believe. We haven't proven it to the, to the comfort level of a lot of docs, but as someone who's never gotten high, right. I can tell you a number of people, I ran into Montel Williams walking over here. That man, God bless him, Marine, couldn't walk when I first met him. I actually went down to interview him for the Oprah show when I was still with, with Oprah. And today he was walking on the street with no problems. He takes a dose of medical marijuana, doesn't get high every single day, several times to keep him going. And he says he can live his life again. Why wouldn't they want that for him? Wow. The hypocrisy that we would block a potentially safe and effective treatment like marijuana because we're too scared to treat it. Right. Because of historical biases about it is shameful and we should get past it. Now, is it placebo? But do you think a lot of it is also though, or- Placebo or nocebo? Have you heard of nocebo? Of course, it's yeah. you, you think it's going to do harm, and it does. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Or the opposite, right? Yeah, placebo is one third of all positive outcomes are placebo. Right, which is not bad. It means the the mind has remarkable power to address some of your ailments, which you should treat. If you're hungry on a diet, the hunger lasts ten minutes. Usually, it does. Yes. So initial hunger. I mean, eventually it gets louder and louder. You have right. to answer it. But that first little pang that you feel when you get up in the morning, you know, it's. That's why we're fighting with Mark Wahlberg. I was going to say that, that that whole fight on online with Mark Wahlberg is actually hilarious. I saw how you <laughs> challenged him to like a, a push up competition, even and like a whole thing. First of all, because he's old school, he work well, he starts at like two o'clock in the morning. That's right. Right. Works out every two or three. I'm sorry, eats every two or three hours. Works out for like five hours combined a day, and you're like no breakfast, right? Like you're inter- do you intermittent fast. I do. 
Intermittent fasting, just to explain it to everybody. Yeah. And it was the foundation of our System 20 plan this year, which is the, we have a new plan. I know. Year, so a, I know. I got you. Knows. But so we, part of it is 20 steps to reduce your chance of illness by 20%, right? And lose pounds. So one of those 20 steps was intermittent fasting, which to me was not really controversial because there's so much data on right. it. Another big study came out this month, again, re- reaffirming that intermittent fasting is much healthier for us. In addition, we focus better and we have better resilience and right. endurance. So for, you, think that, you think that's across the board for everybody? On average for everybody, okay. everyone's different, but on average, that's the truth. Now, here's how it works. Okay. If you have dinner at 11 at night and fall asleep, mm-hmm. right? you're going to be hungry in the morning because you're going to be withdrawing from the carbs you had for mm-hmm. dinner. If you eat dinner at 7 or 8 and you feel a little bit empty when you go to sleep but not hungry, you'll, while you're asleep, you'll go through uh, a the metabolic switch will flip and you'll be, enter ketosis. When you wake up in the morning, you're not hungry anymore. So you can go for two, three hours. Right. But independent of all that, ask yourself, when you first wake up, do you really want food? Or are you only eating because you were told to eat, which is why Mark feels so strong about having right. breakfast. It's habitual. Like everything, it's habitual, yeah. right? So have a coffee, right. dark coffee or dark tea, uh, black tea, and just enjoy your morning. And then two, three hours later, when you're hungry, have breakfast. Right. I'm not against breakfast food. I actually like breakfast food, but don't have it when you first get up. That will extend the amount of time you're eating. Uh, I mean, not eating enough that you're actually intermittent fasting. And here's the cool thing. If you eat the same number of calories over eight hours as you would eat over 17 hours, which is the average yeah. in America, you'll lose weight. The Even same, though you're eating the same amount same of calories. calories. Yeah, the body does not metabolize it the same way. It's not anything crazy and wacky. It's just the reality of the meta- metabolism mechanisms of the body. So you don't believe in calories in, calories out, right? Like a calorie deficit necessarily. In, in general, of course I believe in it. Because okay. part of the reason that intermittent fasting leads to weight loss is because you don't eat that much right. when you're eating. Because it's a confined right. period yeah. of time. But right? in addition to that, right. there are discounts you get. I'll give you two of them. Okay. One is intermittent fasting because the body does not metabolize the same way over a short period. The second are nuts. You don't metabolize all the nut that you eat. So a nut has nine calories per gram, right. like all fats do. But if I eat butter, all that butter gets into my body. I absorb it all. All those calories get into my blood. Nuts, 20% of nut does not get digested because you didn't chew it all the way. This, this, wow. was just, this study yeah. was just done this month, proving what we've been suspecting for a long time, which is people who eat nuts don't gain weight. Because they're getting a 20% discount off all their calories. Well, listen, if you're a 2,000-calorie diet and you get a 20% discount, that means you really were on a 1,600-calorie diet. That's right. So yes. without trying, you lose weight. That's why people who are on nut diets lose weight in every trial that I know of. And when you don't eat nuts, it actually leads to weight gain because simple carbohydrates go right to your bloodstream. The problem with nuts, though, is that for me anyway, maybe I'm, I don't think I'm alone, is that you can never just eat the allotted amount. I always have 75 more pounds of nuts that I'm, that I'm supposed to because they're addictive and they're, or, so it's like, you know, you're supposed to have how much, like this much almonds, like a handful or like yeah, a palm full of I almonds. I don't buy into that. Your brain is not measuring calories, it's measuring nutrients. And so if you give your brain nutrients, it'll stop you eventually. Yes, you're going to eat more than three almonds or six. Right, uh, eight or eight, whatever. nine, it's, it's, I think it is. I think counting nuts is a painful and tragic oh. habit. But then again, you look like a greyhound. So whatever you're doing, do. But, <laughs> Thank you. But, but, I, but I think very that nice. nuts are something that, it, that your body will tolerate much more than you believe. I don't eat five nuts. I don't count them. I fill my whole hand up with them and I eat them. But the, you, your, your brain will tell you pretty quickly that you've had enough nuts because you've got so many nutrients. They're basically plant eggs. Right. So stop pushing yourself. You're good to go. You'll be Whereas fine. if you have a soft drink, in fact, the, the worst is a diet drink. Yeah. Because your brain knows you had something sweet, but it also knows you didn't get any calories. So it says, go back and find what you were trying to eat because you missed. Right. So that's why they say it's better to have actually a Coke than a Diet Coke. 
Right. I, I mean, I, I'd have neither. Or personally. neither. Of yeah. Th- I mean, I, I think sparkling water is one of the most overlooked po- options we have in oh, America. Yeah, you can add. You can and also you can add like you can squeeze a lemon in there or an yeah. orange or whatever it yeah. is. And right. It, yeah. And for alcohol beverages, I don't know what your favorite is, but te- things like tequila are wonderful hacks because it's sort of sweet anyway because yeah. it comes from agave and it's sixty six calories an ounce and you you don't need to put a mixer in there. Just you know, little lime. That's ice exactly. and off you go. And that's why people who are in the fitness world and or people who are very conscientious about their calories will always go to a tequila. Yeah, I've noticed it I, yeah. know, over and over again. And, and the women in my life, all oh, that's what they drink. Plus, you don't get hangovers with tequila. Right, you don't get a hangover. Because it's clear alcohol. Exactly. So then how do people start, like, because I, I mean, intermittent fasting has been like, it's one of those trends right now that is obviously not just a trend, but like something that you think obviously works well. How do people... Um, get out of that mindset that they need to have breakfast and just try it, right? Because I think, like you said, everything is habitual. So how do you break that habit and to start that new one? You can't get rid of a bad habit. You have to replace it. Right, okay. So So I tell people, get up in the morning, do what they've done in in India for thousands of years. (laughs) A little bit of water with some lemon juice or some citrus fruit in there. Just just a juice. You you don't want a lot of calories. And uh, just check it out. First of all, if you have to have coffee within an hour or two, you're addicted. Right. That's me. I'd have the, but I have the water, then I have, the, I also have the that, coffee. That's fine. But you just, every once in a while, every week or two, so you just not go for, don't go workouts first. Don't have coffee. Just to make sure you're not addicted. Okay. And then after two hours, do what you want. Just start there. Just a two hour delay after you wake up until you have your, whatever you're going to do. A lot of people, like my friends in the Today Show, where I you know, do yes. a lot of medical you advising. Ton- you're, there, you're basically there every single day. Savannah was kidding me about <laughs> this, but they're wonderful people. I mean, what great energy on that show. And a couple of them, Carson and Savannah, are in yeah. fasting. So they get up at 2.30 in the morning. So yeah, I said, drink coffee. It's okay. Have yeah. some coffee. Even a little bit of cream, you'll get away with it. It's okay. But after four or five hours, they get hungry. You don't need to fast that long. You, you, from the moment you get up to when you eat, it can even be two hours, just a little bit of a nudge. And then right. on the other side, at night, eat a little bit earlier. Like, I don't go out to dinner at 8.30 because I can't finish with friends until 10.30. Oh, I'm going to go to bed at 11. Right. So there's no way I'm going to be able to have my intestines sleep while I'm sleeping, which means my night is restless. Right. And if you really are thoughtful about it, you'll admit that's true for you too. It's almost impossible to sleep on a full stomach. No, I agree with you. So just move it up an hour. Have your dinner at 6.30. I, I think, but the problem becomes socialization, right? Like for, because I'm Jewish, right? So everything I do in when I socialize is around food. Like when, and when I'm eating my breakfast, I'm thinking about my lunch. And when I'm eating my lunch, I'm like, hmm, I'm, what, I can't wait for dinner. Like we, I love to eat and you know, a lot of people do. It's so hard to break that, that habit, right? Especially when you think it's like, it seems daunting. Like, oh my God, forever, I'm going to have to do this. Like there are friends of mine who do intermittent fasting just between Monday and Friday. And it works for it, them. It's perfect. You can is, fast. is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing about cultural food, I mean, my, my wife is, my wife's family is Italian. Right. I mean, I, I, I'd never seen this before. They literally go on vacation. They're literally planning the next meal at the meal we're eating. Come with my family. That's what we do. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we do too. All that stated, what's, there, there's nothing healthier than having a good time with your family yeah. around a dinner table. Nothing. Right. And I don't want to ever ruin that. Part of the reason I like intermittent fasting, it doesn't take that away. Right. So you don't have to have food with breakfast. You can have a little tea or something. But lunch and dinner with everybody is just fine. And you don't have to restrict what you eat. You know, enjoy it and be the person you want to be. Just shorten the number of hours that you torture your body with food. Right. And that doesn't have to be on weekends because I don't think it makes sense when you're trying to be social. Do not do that this tonight. I will not be intermittent fasting tonight. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay, but I'm glad for your to hear day, it. Your day, your normal routine should not involve breakfast when you first wake up because you're probably forcing yourself. Yeah. Under the, under the belief that it's good for you. 
And exactly. that, that's where Mark Wahlberg and I disagree. And, I, I'm, and I'm not alone, and I'm sure he's not alone. But I bet long-term science, they, the, the weight of science will land on my side. Well, the truth of the matter is, like not, I mean, most people are not Mark Wahlberg, right? Most people don't have that discipline that he does where they're working out at 3 o'clock in the morning for two hours, then having an entire chicken because he eats an entire chicken right. then works out again for another couple hours. Like, most people can barely even get 30 minutes in, never mind five hours, right? So they shouldn't be comparing themselves to that. That's an extreme also. Well, right? for the mere mortals. Right, for the mere right. mortals. And I, lear- right. I actually learned intermittent fasting from Hugh Jackman. Who, oh, really? Yeah, because Hugh would have to gain and lose weight to play Wolverine. Well, yeah. He's not, his natural playing weight is not what he is in the movie on. So he'd have to gain weight and lose it again. And he would use intermittent fasting, which he learned from folks out in Hollywood who were bodybuilders, right. weightlifters, trainers for movie stars, because they needed to get down to very little percentage body fat. So most of us aren't, that's not where we are. Right. But it turned out intermittent fasting was the best way to be social and do it always without having a big problem. Right. And that's why I started doing it myself. And then I began to realize I sleep much better when I'm intermittent fasting. It had nothing to do with weight loss. Right. I, I mean, I, I mean I, there's I, other health benefits Sure, many to more. It. I was more focused. I, I had more endurance. I could get through the day better. Right. And then I began thinking, well, okay, well, you know, this is actually working pretty well. Let me add an extra hour on each end. It's even better. Now, right. I don't like going 16 hours without eating. I'm uncomfortable. Right. But I can go 13, 14 hours and never have noticed that it happened. Right. And I think that's where most Americans will settle out. But this is one of those things where it's worth the try. Right. You'll be surprised how easy it is. I think you're, I mean, listen, if, if all these things, all the different diet trends, I find that to be the easiest. Like the ketogenic one, I don't know what you feel about that one exactly. I find that one's very difficult because to be actually in ketosis is very, very difficult. Well, I become very un, uh, irritable to be around. Well, yeah. And my, my wife even more so. So I, and I don't like being in a bad mood and the world turns a little bit gray when I'm ketotic. Yeah. So again, I, I, I can see why it's really valuable for some people and it is incredibly impactful if you've got a, a, you know, a chronic illness that you want to treat. I just think intermittent fasting gets you there in, in a much easier way. I like, this, I like seeing the world in technicolor. Yes, no, me too. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsors. So it's probably been about four months or so that I've been literally obsessed with the game Best Fiends, guys. It is so fun. I know I've said this before, but really, it is really fun. I play against my friends, my husband, and I got to say, I'm getting pretty good at it. It's a great way to engage your brain. They're constantly changing it. So you don't get bored. I know a lot of times when I'm playing these games on my phone, they get bored because you know it's going to happen. They are always, always changing it. And there's so many levels. So basically, it takes forever to compete. So you're constantly competing against yourself. It's it's really fun. And you don't need the, the internet. I was actually uh, on a plane and playing the game. And the guy beside me was playing too. I mean, how funny is that, right? So to engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute little characters, trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And now to our next sponsor. So anybody who knows me knows that I love to wear my gym clothes as much as possible. But of course, there are those times when I have to look like an adult and wear nice work clothes. And that's why I'm happy to tell you I found M.M. LaFleur. I went on M.M. LaFleur's website and found some really nice clothes that are not just functional, but they're nice 
and comfortable. I got this black blazer that I can wear up and I can dress it down and these pants that had an adjustable hem. So if I'm wearing my running shoes one minute and I have to quickly change it to heels, I can wear the same pants. It's awesome. And I can machine wash the clothes, which is really helpful when you have two small kids who like come up to you with their grubby hands. And they also have free shipping and returns. So what's better than that? For a very short time, you can get 15% off your first purchase by going to mmlafleur.com slash hustle and use that promo code hustle. So for 15% off your first order, visit mmlafleur, that's m-m-l-a-f-l-e-u-r.com slash hustle and use that code hustle for that 15% off your first purchase. Tell us more about your system 20, which is like, what, 20%? You can decrease your- um, Chronic illnesses by 20%. In 2020. You lose 20 pounds if you need to. Okay. The 20 steps involve turning off electronics an hour before bedtime. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that in part because there's no good news after 10 o'clock at night. Absolutely. The only thing you're going to read about is going to bother you and irritate you and frustrate you, whether it's a text or some breaking news. And it keeps your brain like act so yeah. active. Yeah, let, let it go. Yeah. Also, the bright screen light turns off melatonin secretion. Right. And melatonin is not really a sleeping uh, hormone. It's a circadian rhythm hormone. But if your brain doesn't think it's nighttime, you won't fall asleep. So at our ancestors, mm-hmm. the sun would set mm-hmm. and we'd see those, those orange rays and it messages to our brain that it should start secreting you know, more melatonin right. so, we'll, so we'll know it's nighttime to go to bed. So we want to allow that natural process to work for us because sleep is the single most underappreciated problem we have in America. Right. And it changes your life in dramatic ways. First of all, if you're sleeping, you can't eat usually, right? right? <laughs> but also people who don't sleep crave carbohydrates big time. You, you crave four things in life. Yeah. You crave sex, which you got to figure out on your own. You, right? <laughs> you can't help with that. <laughs> no. Sleep, okay. water, and food. Yeah. And we confuse water and food a lot, which yeah. is, you know, usually- That's what we eat when, we're, when we, we could be drinking, exactly. right? Yeah. But if you're not sleeping, you're going to crave food and not good food. Right. So getting sleep back into your routine is incredibly helpful in many, many ways. Plus, it, we, I think it's linked to problems with focus, including ultimately things like Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Because wow, yeah. your brain cells shrink a little bit and wash themselves when you're sleeping. And that function is, is erratic if you have insomnia, which is why people with insomnia develop problems over yeah. time. How do you, like the, you know, what do you think of neurofeedback? Have you heard of this whole thing about how you can like rewire your brain by, uh, you go get your brain mapped and then they can like tell if you have like whatever, like it may be like anxiety, OCD, whatever, and then they can rewire your brain. Well, I mean, I have, they do scans that identify uh, energy consumption and electricity, so to speak, in the brain. I, I don't know how meticulous those scans are in diagnosing the issues you have. But the idea that you can rewire your brain, I do believe is absolutely true. How you do it varies. They say they do it with a video game. But what I was going to say was they, they did this thing and they said, well, you know, they test to see how deep you're sleeping. Well, you can test, you can also wear all the, you can find out how, how, how you sleep by doing a lot of different things. But it's funny how you can think you're, you're, you're in a, like a REM sleep and a deep sleep, but you can actually be like sleeping very poorly. Now, if you don't think, if, you, if you're sleeping and if you think you're sleeping well, does that not count for your, the, is, yeah, like, ha, the, your quality of sleep? Like matters. How, 
Right. Quality so, matters. So it's not just about sleeping. You have to be having quality of sleep to have those yeah, benefits. Mo- most people can tell that their quality is poor because they awaken without feeling refreshed. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, I sleep eight hours every night, but I'm always exhausted in the morning. You didn't have good quality sleep. Right. And the cycling is important. Every 90 minutes or so, you cycle through sleep stages one, two, right. three, four, and then the REM sleep. So you cycle... Uh, that same time period, but you spend more time in REM, which is dream sleep. So one of the first questions I ask people is, do you dream? Now, a lot of listeners right now say, I I never dream. No, that's not normal. You're supposed to dream. That was going to be me. I don't think I dream either. If you don't dream, you're tired. And you're not paying enough time in REM sleep. Yeah. And so you and, and 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 that's a pretty common problem for a lot of folks. And sometimes the reason you're not sleeping well is because you you awaken after onset of sleep, which is pretty common. That's often from anxiety or noises. Your pets in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. The kids making noise. It's too hot. There there's a lot of reasons you're not sleeping well. Sleep hygiene addresses probably half the problems. Imagine this: your biggest unset, unsettled, unrecognized health problem could be removed with with. It's half the time, just by taking better care of the environment you're sleeping Mm -hmm. in. The mattress matters. But sleeping pills, which are not designed for long-term use, give you a valuable crutch when you need them. Mm -hmm. But it's not normal sleep structure. Right. And so it's not good to use those for months and months on end, which is what many people get stuck doing. Are you, well, how, how do you sleep? Because you work, how, what time do you wake up in the morning? I get up at 6. I go to bed 10, 30, 11. I'm a pretty good sleeper. Um, On the weekends, I don't set an alarm. And I'll sleep a half hour longer than usual. I try to wake up the same time if yeah. I can every day. I work out first thing when I get up, when I have time. What kind of workouts do you do? So I, I don't do what Mark Wahlberg does, but I, <laughs> so I, so I used to, uh, No, really? Yeah, I, 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 um, I get on an elliptical. Mm-hmm. I used to get on a treadmill, but it's, my knees are, mm-hmm. uh, it, I, I, it's, it's easier for me to exercise every day if I, if I get on an elliptical. Right. And then I always break uh, for 10% of the time and do some pretty strenuous weight work. So I'll do pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, uh, you know, curls, just weight work, but and for a minute or two. So I spend probably 15, 20% of my time doing the, the doing muscle work and 80% cardiovascular. So then how long would you, time-wise, how much cardio? Oh, all together an hour? All together an hour with, let's say, 45 minutes of cardio and 15 minutes of weightlifting. So you do the elliptical and you do weights, basically, or strength training. Yes, strength and, then, training. and then whenever I can, I try to beat somebody. Right, right, right. I'd rather play sports because I do get, you know, like everybody else, I'd rather be out there playing with something. And by, by the way, I watch videos of, of things I need to watch while I'm exercising. Oh, right. So there's, or um, listen to podcasts or whatever. There's the podcasts, <laughs> yes. Po- podcasts are actually very popular in a household for yes. obvious reasons. Yes, obvious um, reasons. And I, and I love them and it gives you a huge variety. But I listen or watch or do something. Right. Um, and then uh, on the weekends, I'll try to play basketball or tennis or something where uh, someone I can watch someone and try to figure out what's their weaknesses and go after them. And go after them, like a Mark Wahlberg. If, for example. But for example, right? Just, um, so just saying. Just saying, of course, just saying. <laughs> so of all these wellness trends, you know, what do you think of red light therapy? It's defined. What, what is red light therapy? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to school this. you now. Please. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, the whole idea is that you, you stand in front or you can like lie in a red light therapy or infrared thing. It's like a panel. So like a company is called BioLight. They, they sent me and they, a bunch of other companies, but they send you a panel of red light and it has like a switch red light and it also has near infrared and you stand in front of it for 10 minutes on one side and you stand on the other side for 10 minutes or you can go into a bed there are places like a different places that you know these like um these these like high-end spa not spas that's not the right word but they're like 
They're like wellness right. places. But these are not tanning beds. These no, are no, 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 no. They look like a tanning bed, right. but they're not. And the idea is that it's supposed to improve your um, immune system. It helps with your skin. Um, it helps with inflammation. It helps with like all sorts. Yeah, like, I, I, I've never heard of them. I've never is, heard of red I'm, light I'm so therapy. happy I came to work today. No, I get I'm to learn. I'm so glad. I, we, I talk about white light therapy because when you get up in the morning. White light? Yes. No. no. But the, oh, this is, but it's, that white light like therapy. sunlight, you mean? Well, it's mimics sunlight. If you live in a part of the country, which doesn't have a lot of light. Uh, if you draw a line between Los Angeles and Atlanta, if you live north of that line, yeah. you don't get enough light in the wintertime. Right. So I'm from Canada. Right. Trust me. So when you get up in the morning, you want to actually see white light because it sets your circadian rhythm. Right. You don't have to stare in the light. You just have it in the room around you. And that, then I actually, in the evening, I have LED lights that are sort of red. So you don't see bright white light at night because that would turn off your melatonin secretion. Wow. Light, light is yeah. very toxic and very powerful, but yeah. I, I've never heard of red light therapy. It's intriguing. You have never? No. I'm so surprised to hear yeah. this. This is great. I learned something. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, I'll, I'm going to, yeah, well, I'll, I'll get you set up with something so you can try it. Well, since you mentioned Canada, if I can bring this up, I, I adore traveling there. We spent so many vacations there, and really? I trained in Toronto for Toronto. a while. Uh, with Tyrone David, who's a very famous, internationally famous heart surgeon, just a magician. Really? And, yeah, and I loved it. And we got, I'm going up the next month. I go up, I go all the time to Canada. I visit with uh, some of your TV folks. Bell Media is our host there. Oh, there. right. So, yeah. you, so you do like a bunch of global CTV. Oh, CTV, Marilyn Dennis show. Marilyn Dennis yeah. show. I've done that so many times. She's That's the hilarious. best. Yeah. Do you want to hear something really funny? Marilyn's uh, been on my show. She has? Yes. When? I dragged her down here this, this past year. She's a real angel. She's great, though. Yeah. She's been doing that show for like 30 years. Like, she's good at it. <laughs> she's, she's really good at it. Like, I, I haven't even thought of that name for so many years. It's amazing that she's still even like kicking around over there. So you're a big Canadian fan. That's good to know. But, uh, actually, I, you know who I really like? Bill Shatner, William Shatner. Oh, of course. Very proud Canadian. He's a very proud Canadian. So he got a part. Uh. <laughs> You'll enjoy this. Yeah. So he, he's grown up in Canada, and he wants to be in theater. So he gets a role at the local playhouse. Yeah. And so he comes home to his mom. He says, mom, I, I got a role. I got a role. He's a teenager. This is Captain Kirk, right? Yeah, of course. So, Captain Kirk, So, so he com comes back home says, and his, his mom says, oh, good. What's the role? And he says, I'm playing the Jewish husband. <laughs> and she goes, it's a non-speaking role. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. It's so, that's, so perfect. That's, he, oh, and Bill Shatner's Jewish. That, so that's, I didn't even know he was Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have another Jewish joke and I can say it because I'm Jewish. <laughs> Have you heard this one when the waiter comes up to it? There's a family sitting for dinner and the waiter goes up to the, to the family and the, they say, um, is anything all right? That's right. I've heard that. Yes. That's perfect. Isn't that perfect? Because like, we always want to switch tables. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too sunny. It's always something. That's so funny. You actually heard that joke. Yeah. Uh, damn. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So let's get back to you. So then can you give me like a day in the life of what you do? So typically, I know you wake up at six, you work out for an hour. I got yeah, well, that part. I, when I'm taping shows, I don't work out because the show is actually physically grinding mm. for me. So I, uh, you I'm, know, I did your show five years ago. You did? I did. And I was five months. No one told me. Well, no one knows because I never told anybody because there's no reason. I was after my book, I wrote Strong as a New Skinny. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think my second book. And uh, they booked me on your show and I was about five months pregnant, but no one knew I was four and a half months pregnant, right. but no one knew I was pregnant. And I went on and I didn't say anything. And I did like a little fitness segment with you. We did like lunges and squats. Oh my goodness. I got to pull that. And it's, it's hilarious. And I like, I was like my big dream come true to be on your show. And then I had my baby. And then 
you know, I stopped traveling for a bit, but I like loved, like that was like the, like I used to do the Today Show all the time. We got to have you back. I, I would love doing, yeah. I would love it because it was like such a highlight. I'm telling you, and not to gush again, it's like embarrassing already, <laughs> but I mean, I was like, it was like, I was like so giddy to be on the show. But anyway, continue on. So I, um, I get up at uh, six, usually I'm in the city before seven. I go to the hospital one day a week. You still go to the hospital one? I, 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 I operate one day a week. Do you still have that partner, by the way, Dr. Roizen? Yes, Mike Roizen is fantastic. Mark, yeah, he's, a, he's so smart, too. You oh, were, my goodness. The you guys, wrote those books, you, right? Yeah, the, the, you, oh, you the owner's manual. Right. Roizen's like an encyclopedia. I throw away, I got rid of Wikipedia. Yeah, he's the, brilliant. The guy knows every answer that there is that no. So um, so by 7 o'clock, I'm either having a, a scripts meeting for the show that mm. I'm about to tape, or I go to the hospital and round. And then- by, How about you still do that? Medicine is- it's a calling and it is a beautiful field and Good I would never you. get up. And also I think it makes me better on the show that I have a connection with patients still. It reminds yeah. me that TV is TV, but then there's real people with real problems. Right, um, exactly, so that, real problems. So then at eight, uh, around 8.30, we uh, finish the scripts. I go up and rehearse for an hour. And then uh, by 9.30, I go back. At, the hardest thing I do all day long is at 9.30, hair and makeup. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do this. It is I don't really, do it. I don't. Well, for the guys out there, my goodness, they're like pecking at you. They're being pecked to death by ducks. Yes, exactly. They, they, snipping at you and clipping at you. And then uh, they dress you up. Uh, they send you out at 10 o'clock. You look nice though now. Did, who dressed you for this? My wife. Oh, she did a beautiful job. Thank you. Yeah, uh, good yeah, job. Yeah, we, we, were, we came down from Palm Beach. Oh, well, we you look very Palm Beach-ish, oh, actually. Uh, so anyway, I went off to, uh, uh, to the show at 10 o'clock. I come down at 11, 30, 12, have a quick lunch, and I go to sleep. Take a nap. I nap every day. You, you do nap every yeah. day. That's a big hack. I think that people- is so valuable. When you're tired and you need a little coffee or food to get going, don't, those are not good fixes. Coffee, first of all, is a cheat. It withdraws money from your energy bank. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically yeah. Takes, yeah. takes your energy and like a credit card would and spends it. And you, you know, at the end of the day, you're exhausted. So when I feel like I'm over, like if I get tired, I'll eat because I'm exhausted. I'm right. just trying to keep my brain going. Just snap. It's and it amazing. works for you? Unbelievably effective. And you fall, like, where do you fall asleep in your office, I, I guess? I have a couch in my dressing room. I just lie down and I'm out for five, 10 minutes. Everyone knows I'm going to sleep then. Uh, I never oversleep. Uh, you, go, you don't go into a deep sleep. It's a very light sleep. Again, 10 minutes, guys. You have 10 minutes in your life for yourself. And I would argue you do. You just don't admit it. And millennials make the time and boomers don't. Yeah. And, they, and both, they ought to get together on this one because you absolutely spend those 10 minutes best 10 minutes you'll spend because you won't overeat, you won't need more caffeine, you'll be more alert, and you'll be more focused. You know what's interesting? You know what? There's a, that's a, right now in New York, actually, and I think maybe one now in LA, they have those pods now that's becoming like another really big trend yeah. where people can spend like 25 bucks. I don't know what, just go home, but, and like sit, sleep in these little pods for 30 minutes. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. they're very effective. I, I actually have, we have meditation in our, in our team that we do in the evenings, and oh. Oprah will do the same thing. After the show, oh, yeah? um, but I, for, I mean, I, I meditate usually in the evening before I go to bed, but uh, in the middle of the day, I just want to get those five or 10 minutes of sleep. And then I feel completely recharged to do my, I do two shows a day when I'm taping. Yeah. That's why I can be down in Miami with you here. Right. Well, that's so great. Take, I'm and, glad um, to hear. and then the second show air tapes, uh, same thing, rehearse and tape and tape it. And then I, afterwards we go over the next day's shows. So it's a pretty rigorous day, but I'm walking all day long on the set. As you right. know, you're there. You're standing all day, so that, yeah. So then I'm, so I'm pretty tired. So by you know, 6.37, I'm done. I go home. I eat dinner. Uh, usually when I'm right down the second show, I'll, I'll even eat before I get home. Really? Um, and if my wife's you know, around and she's made food, then I'll eat with her, but I'll try to get done by 7. And after that, we try to close the kitchen. And I do other things to keep busy. And I eat a lot. I mean, I eat a ton of food. I just try to eat it in that little window. So, what do you, okay, so does that mean, by the way, that you... Well, you do not drink coffee then at all? Or you just- I drink rarely coffee. I don't, normally when I'm taping shows, I won't drink coffee. 
I'll drink if I'm on a weekend having fun with friends. Yeah. If I'm meeting, if I'm meeting up, I'll have coffee in the coffee shop because everyone else is having coffee in the coffee right. shop. Right. Uh, but I, at home, I'll drink tea usually. Green I, tea or just no. I, I I'll have English breakfast tea in the morning. Okay. And then I I as a cardamom cinnamon blend that I that I drink and just because I like the taste of it. And it's, it's an herbal tea. How about matcha? Do you believe matcha? In, I love. I like, love matcha. You just have to prepare matcha. I know it's you, like a whole thing. I know, and it's, I don't want. I don't. I don't have time for a Japanese tea party. Exactly. I, I just gotta, exactly. I mean, people are calling. I've got texts going in. I mean, like, I'm busy like everybody else is. But I, I and I tell my kids this. I share this with, with your listenership. You, you have to work hard. Life is tough. Yeah. But you want to work smart too. Otherwise, your hard work will be wasted. Yes. And you want both. And if you make some wise decisions and plan a little bit. Yeah, uh, you'll get there. Yeah. If you, if, if, because if, you know, failure to plan is a bigger problem. Oh, absolutely. Because you ought to plan to fail then. <laughs> well, this whole thing is about like habits and routines because I think that you need routines and structure and like goals, right? Or like ways to kind of set you, set you from creating like structure helps you from not making bad choices, right? That's how I feel. Like, well, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life to me okay, for is you? finding people who have gotten joy out of their life's work mm-hmm. and copy them. Right. Don't reinvent emulate them. them. Emulate yeah. them. Frankly, our faith-based traditions are all based on that. Yeah. Right. You can start reading about, you know, start from Adam and Eve and, you know, and through Exodus and all the way up to through Christ's New Testament. It is basically about people who are able to find joy and then finding out what they did to get there and what didn't work for them. Right. And it's that lessons those deeper lessons that, that educate, inform our decisions about religion. Well, why ignore those lessons in our day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. If our parents did a good job raising us, copy what they did. If they right. didn't, copy someone else's parents did a good job. But try to emulate what success looked like. It's the best way to play sports, be a heart surgeon. Uh, anything Anything you do. Television. I mean, everything I've done in my life, I have found people who are good at it and I copied them. Who do you copy? Who do you look up to besides? I know you're going to say Oprah, right? Because well, she, Oprah's obvious because she taught me. She the taught business. you, And right. the fairest woman I've ever met. And even now I call her when I have quite concerns about a controversial guest. And she just has real deep insights and she tells you the truth. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, the one I mentioned. Right. The, guy, doc, the rock, rock doc. doc. Rock doc. Yeah, rock doc. Uh, and what I admire the most about dad is that he had an incredible career as a heart surgeon. Enough so they made it in the trivial pursuit as a right. cancer. That's crazy. But he never sacrificed his spiritual, the, the, the faith he had in his religion or his family. And so he was able to bring that all together. And that to me is the ultimate juggling. Right. Because, you know, we are continually being pulled in two directions. We want to be really special and good and the best and unique. Right. Which means you're not part of community. You have to be separate, different from. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we want to be part of community and the same as everybody else and, and have that oxytocin secretion when we gel with each other. Well, those are opposite desires mm-hmm. and both admirable. So which one do you do? You're not going to make one or the other. They both ascend to a point. Right. You really can never stay on that point. It's painful. So you're always going to be a little too much community, a little too much success. Right. And I realize where I am. I'm, I'm on the success side. I'm more desirous of being different and special and excelling than being in community, but I can't live without community. So I have to marry someone, Lisa, who's right. more about community. Right, who balances and, that out. And she pulls me over the top. And she'll get me to course correct when I've got too, too much ego going down mm-hmm. about things that I'm so darn proud that I accomplished. I'm giving myself a rotator cuff from, you know, popping <laughs> myself in the back, right? <laughs> so so you, you want that balancing act. And the people that I admire the most, like my father-in-law and mother-in-law, have a very healthy yin-yang relationship yeah. where they hit each other's buttons. And in my house, believe me, we fight. I mean, take, 
I'll say it here because yeah. my wife's not here, but in my house, the prosecution never rests. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm condemned in Astentia, which yes. is a small town in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know exactly what Burned it is. Burned in effigy, yes. which yes. is near Buffalo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it's, I mean, so you have, and you believe, so it's like yin and yang. So you find people who basically balance you out. That's what I think too, because if you have too much of one, of one, it's very, very difficult. But when you, when you're on this like roller, not even a roller, you're on like a, like it's momentum driven, especially in your business, right? Like a yeah. lot, lot of it's momentum. I know, of course, not with the medical stuff, but all the, all the TV and the TV show and all that. It's very hard to kind of like take a breath and get that balance. How are you able, besides Lisa, right? How are you able, because when you're on that, like you said yourself, when you walked over here, you got stopped probably what, 10 times? Yeah, the good number is probably about that number. <laughs> maybe, maybe even yeah. more. How do you stay centered and how do you like not... How do you stay grounded? Because how does that not go to someone's head? Well, I'm blessed that I didn't come into to notoriety until I was an adult. Okay. I mean, I was 40 years old, late 30s anyway, before anyone knew who I was. I right. got to just be a heart surgeon and figure out life. Just a heart surgeon. You know I mean? But I mean, I, I, I'm saying it on purpose, not <laughs> yeah. being falsely modest. A heart surgery is tough. I was very proud. It's all I wanted to do in my life. Right. I was laser focused on that. But no one cared that I was laser focused on that. Right. I could walk down the street and people would just, be normal to me. Right. Uh, and so my ego was already formed. I sort of knew who I was. And yeah, there's a threat always that you're the, 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 the dopamine hit from someone saying, ah, it's Dr. Oz, will get to your head. I've always said a, said a couple of these. First, it's just as easy to be kind as not. Mm-hmm. And it takes two seconds for me to say something nice to you as a respond to an answer to, that, to a question or pay attention to your question as it is to not. So that part to me is easy. I yeah. don't struggle with that. The bigger issue is I'll start to make decisions that are arrogant. Mm-hmm. And in medicine, you make those decisions and you pay the ultimate price or your patients do. Right. So it's continue to reinforce to be careful about that. But the most important thing is do not surround yourself with yes people. Right. The people I trust the most are the pains in the neck that, that come at me. I mean, I have the, the, like a posse of women executives around me who take no prisoners, <laughs> just hammering me mercilessly. Right, right. And I actually don't feel sorry for myself. I'm happy that they feel confident telling me the truth because what they're saying is usually right. And I'll fight back if I disagree, right. but I've learned that they have better instincts on a lot of these things than I do, so I better pay attention to what they're saying before I override them. Right. And that's, a, again, I learned that from people who are good at what they do. I, I'm copying success. Right. That's why you know, I always talk to young people, I say, key to success, finish school, sounds dumbass, right? No, not to me it doesn't. Finish school, get a job, get married. Do those things. That includes- Get married? Get married. So I, that includes those. So I, just, I, I, I play this in my own family. Yes, but I'll, yes. Finish school is important because you need to control your destiny. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't finish school, the message you're sending is that you're unable to finish a task that you're given. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a job because you're only going to learn about life from having to work to get things done. Mm-hmm. And you're not always going to start at the top. Right, exactly. Right? So you got to actually figure stuff out. People are going to be mean to you and selling and task you with things you're not good enough. But ultimately, if you're at the right place, you'll be elevated. And the reason I care about marriage or pair bonding, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, is that- Pair bonding, pair, that's such a like yeah, but, climate but thing to say. It is, but I'd much rather you get married because marriage is the only covenant you have with society that you elect to have. Mm-hmm. No one signs your birth certificate. I mean, they do, but not you don't, <laughs> yeah. right? They don't, they don't sign your own birth certificate. You don't sign your own death certificate. Right. The covenant of marriage has always bonded humans together in a way that's- uh, tangible and pretty solid. Mm-hmm. You can't just get out of a marriage without going through the painful experience of telling society, I quit. And right. sometimes it's the, right, it's the right thing to do. I'm not, a, I'm not saying stay in a bad marriage, but I am saying that taking the leap and believing in marriage and the, what it represents to our community is essential 
to successful human culture. And we should not ignore that without realizing the perils of it. It's my same argument for religion. I'm not going to browbeat you about believing in God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to browbeat you about the fact that faith itself has a value. Mm-hmm. It gives you a structure to build around. It helps you crutch on problems when you're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It gives your kids something to focus on because you can't teach it all to them by yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're arrogant enough to think that that's not important, then you may fall prey to a lot of the mistakes that people who have felt that way mm-hmm. have have go, you know, gone by the wayside. And these are just basic insights. It's, just, it's not rocket science, but why not speak openly about it? No, you're right. You know, um, my husband, uh, well, like I said, we're Jewish, and he, he wanted my kid, he's kosher. I'm like, kind of, I don't eat pork, but I'm not kosher, right? Like I'll eat like unkosher chicken, let's say. Yeah. But for my kids, he wants them to eat only kosher. And, and I would fight about them all the time. Like, why yeah. does it matter? Rather than them eat organic and whatever. Right. His whole thought process is you teach them at a young age how to have discipline on something. And that will be the through line of their life. So if they know when they're with their friends, they can't eat whatever it is because they're kosher. That's, yeah. you're, you're teaching them that piece I, of information. Yeah. It's not about being kosher right. per se. The healthiest thing about what you just told me is that your kids are going to hear you guys talking Absolutely. about this. That is so valuable. And I, I respect his desire to be kosher. I completely get why you're saying, well, that's a 2,000-year-old deal, longer, 4,000-year-old right. deal. Right. Uh, by the way, I went to Turkey. To, in Turkey, I went to- Because uh, you're Turkish, right? I am Turkish. Yeah. I went to uh, a place called Potbelly Hill. It's the oldest human civilization in southeastern Turkey. And it's right next to where um, Sarah met Abraham. Oh, really? So the birthplace of- human religion is in a place that was 8,000 years older than when Sarah met Abraham. Yeah. And it reminds us that there's something special about these traditions. They didn't just, it's, it's a lots of human effort yeah. to figure this stuff out. So do I know that kosher makes a difference? No. Right, exactly. But, but I'm not going to throw kosher away when a lot of really smart people worked hard to figure it out. And there's, there, I can defend it by saying, yeah, I don't eat pork. It's got trichinosis and infections and this, this, just what a coincidence this is good for you. Yeah. But that's not about, it's not about that. It's about the fact that a lot of really smart people thought hard about this and they thought it made sense. Don't throw it away without thinking twice about it. Right, exactly. There's an insight beyond just the superficial stuff. But you know, you did a segment actually, which is really funny because I have this conversation with people all the time, speaking of like diet and kosher or like meat or food about like, it was like artificial meat, right? Because vegan, because it's like, again, now right. it's all about the trend to like, you know, be, eat more plant-friendly foods. But these vegan burgers, like these, like should I say, impossible burgers, yeah. Beyond Burger, whatever yeah. they are, like, isn't it just better just to have an actual piece of protein than have all the additives and preservatives? Like if you look at these ingredients of these, of these artificial meats or whatever you want to call them, there's like 97 ingredients on them. So my philosophy is that you were ve- very politically correct on the sh- uh, on yeah. today's show? So, so ve- vegans should eat vegetarian food. Mm-hmm. My, my wife is vegetarian. That's better for the planet. Better for her. Okay. Uh, meat eaters should eat less meat. One of the crutches to get them to eat less meat mm-hmm. is eating a processed meat because it is processed. Right. It's all processed. And so, personally, I'd rather have a burger than one of those uh, alternative right. patties. But they taste good enough that the average meat eater would eat them. And the big issue is the environment. Right, so it's uh, more for the environment than it is for yeah. like for health. Though. Well, no, for health purposes, there's less cholesterol. And there's no mm-hmm. cholesterol in there's these. No cholesterol. And uh, although there's saturated fat and there's and salt and other things, and, exactly. Yeah. But so I don't think it's a health dish. I think like meat, it's something you can put into your diet once in a while. It should not be the foundation. And I'm proud of the guys at Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers and all these companies because I think they're offering an, a, a, something that meat eaters can crutch on as they begin to eat less meat. But we as a country and as right. a planet 
90% of all the animals are alive we're going to eat. Right. So let's, I mean, we got to cut that down. Like manufactured meats help us do that, but they're not a health food. The, what's healthy is vegetables and fruits. And speaking of that, if I don't leave soon, my wife, she's going to come down here. The wife I've mentioned has oh, a, yeah, the way I was mentioning. She will just take me out. Oh, I'm, really? I, I'm, I'm big time late. You've got to go. Okay. What time is it anyway? I can, we'll just wrap. Okay. We're going to wrap this up right now. Yeah. How about that? Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're done. I'll, 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 I'll stick her on you. Okay. No, no. I think, I think I'm all done. I think I have nothing. We could, I was going to talk to you more about like wellness fads, but we can, how about this? You promised you're going to do this again with I'll, me. We'll do it again. You promise? Yeah, take care of my friend, John Weiser. Okay. I promise I will. We have a mutual friend. So thank you so much, Dr. Oz. You know how to follow him. Don't go follow him. He's amazing. Take care. He's the best, best doctor in the country and in the world. <laughs> I you. love you. Thank you so much. Take care. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.